like I told you 15 years ago, the next level is coming. Did he chase? Ari Gold. I hear you got something for me. My first movie is Studio Head, and boom, I want you to star in it. Whatever I do next, I also want to direct. <coughs> Ari. Does he even know how to direct? Ari. Holy what? Ronda Rousey, the fighter. I love her. We know each other. You remember me? Didn't she see really fat? <laughs> if this movie tanks, Vince will not come back from this. Neither will I, and neither will you. This could get ugly. Trust me, it's all good. I gave you a hundred million dollars. You agreed to not go over. Because you said I couldn't direct unless we agreed. Matter, your girlfriend lock you out of there anymore? No, my co-financier. You serious? Oh, my boys will break that door right now. I got the hamster. He's crazy. I'm crazy. Take me for a round. I last 30 seconds. You let me take you out on the date. How much time? Three seconds. I just wanted to take you to dinner. Good morning. As I was sitting here, I thought I've never quite had a transition from singing. Better is one day to the Entourage movie trailer. Uh, but this series actually represents kind of two very different approaches to life, and that's what we're going to be, be looking at. Um, as a Christ follower, um, we trust God to lead us and to kind of show us how he wants to live our life. But in the midst of life, we have messages that appear in our culture and from our experiences and from just what we think life should go or how it should work. And so this series is really about how do we take the things that we may find out as we attend church or as we get to know God in the Bible, how do we compare that to the messages that we find uh, in our experiences in life and in movies and in the things that we see? And so this series is really about pulling out the messages of movies and comparing that to how life really works. And today's message that we're looking at is the message of YOLO. And I don't know if you've heard that before, but it stands for you only live once. Now, I mentioned this last week. This isn't the only message in in Entourage, but really for the purpose of this series, we try to find kind of what's the main message that we can kind of compare in terms of an approach to life. And so YOLO is definitely an approach to life that shows up in this movie. And again, it stands for you only live once. And I've experienced more of the fragileness of life myself. If you're wondering why I have one shoe on, I'm not starting a new uh, fashion trend. Um, I tore my Achilles heel uh, just over four weeks ago, and I YOLO'd by playing soccer, and I was walking, and it's amazing when you get older how much you only live once is very true. And so I'm uh, I'm on the course of, of healing, but if you're wondering why I was hobbling up there that this is... This is why usually I stand up as well, uh, but for the purpose of my injury, I'm, I'm sitting uh, before you. But really, this idea of you, you only live once, we, we all experience um, in different ways, whether that's we get older and we realize, wow, life is more fragile, it seems like, or just from the things that, that we try to do. I, I want to just give you a little bit background of where this idea uh, came from. It actually first appeared really 
with that phrase YOLO from the rapper Drake in about 2011. And I'm not going to play you that song. But as you can imagine, the song's really about you only live once, live it up, do whatever you want to do, because again, life is here and then it's gone. And so there's a sense in which you've got to make the most of it. That's kind of behind YOLO, make the most of it. But there's also a more going on to YOLO, and I just want to define that. It, it really kind of stands for this idea of do some things that are, are risky. Since life's short and you don't know how long you have on this earth, do things that are risky. Take risks. Uh, also, you may want to do some things that are pleasurable, not just take risks, but have fun. Do the things that are going to feel good. So you'd want to do pleasurable things. You want to do fun things. And part of the YOLO is because life's short, you really want others to think that you're you're cool. You know, you want to have choice between what people think of you. Life's short. I want them to think that I'm I'm cool. There's something to this guy. Man, he he made the most out of life. And you see in the Entourage uh, movie, it's actually based on a TV series that lasted for eight seasons. And throughout this series, uh, there's this idea of uh, what this movie poster says. It says, dream large, live larger. And that's kind of the essence of YOLO. We all have big dreams, but you've got to make your dreams a reality. And so if your dreams are big, you've got to even live larger than that. And so that's this idea of Put all your energy, put all your resources, make sure that you are living larger. There's another movie poster. The ride ain't over. That's just, that's kind of one of those phrases. I like that. The ride ain't over. It doesn't sell movies if it says the ride is short, you're going to die. Like you're not like, I'm going to spend my money to go see that movie. But the ride ain't over. It kind of appeals to something within us. And there's actually some truth to this idea of YOLO. You know what? We actually do only live once. That's true. And there's a part of that which speaks to the fact that we want adventure. We want our life to count for something. And that's actually not bad. If we had a choice between making a life that counted and a life that didn't, we'd always choose. I want to make a life that counted. We, we something about this that calls to kind of this adventure. It, it appeals to us. We want a life that actually matters. And so what I want to do is kind of take this idea of risky behavior, fun, pleasure, cool, and kind of look at what, what are some of the, the pitfalls of that approach. Now, it's easy wherever we are to say, well, I'm not in entourage. I'm not a movie star. I don't have maybe a fancy car. Maybe I don't live on the beach or whatever it is. But there are certain pitfalls of this approach that can also creep in to, to you and to I. It's, it's, it's very subtle. And so I want to look at a, a few of the, the subtleties that can kind of creep in that can cause problems for us. If we really live life from this idea that life is short, I have to make the most of it, no matter what the cost, then it, it can cause problems. The first one is um, we can have a life that's it's too narrow. Our purpose in life becomes too narrow. YOLO is all about me, my experiences, the fun that I want to have. Now, I'll buddy together with people, but as long as they're trying to do the same thing, as long as they want the same fun, they want the same experiences, it really is this mantra of it's about me. And my purpose is fulfilling all the cool things that I, that I want to do. What you find is in, in life, and we're going to dig into this a little bit later, is that we were actually made for something so much bigger than just me. That's a reality of life. This is actually how God made us. Life is so much more than just the here and now 
of what I want in the moment based on what I feel. Okay, so life can become very narrow. The other thing about YOLO, which can cause problems, is decisions that we make in the name of YOLOing. I don't even know if YOLOing is a word, but it is now. They can cause continuous trouble over time. Now, if you're not familiar with the Entourage uh, movie or the the series, it's centered on a up-and-coming actor. And this actor makes it big. And he has this entourage of friends that are part of like his rise to fame. And the series and the movie is really about all the different experiences that they have becoming famous together. And so there's a part of it which appeals like, wow, they, they made it or he made it and his friends have kind of made it with him. But in that, there, there's all kind of problems that, that exists. Now, in the, the series and the movie, the problems don't become so much central because anytime you watch a show or a movie, Problems are wrapped up in about an hour and 20 minutes, right? You have a problem, in an hour and 20 minutes, it's solved. I don't know about you, but my problems, I just figure out I have a problem in an hour and 20 minutes. Usually it's not solved by then. So this idea, it's kind of, you see the problems throughout the movie, you see the problems throughout the series, but the idea is really they're going to overcome it because their dreams are big and they're living larger and they're doing what they want and you kind of see it all work out. But in the course of the of the series, I just want to highlight a few things that, that cause problems for them. And it kind of leads to this idea that they cause continuous trouble in the show. Uh, they they some of the characters had affairs that that led to major breakups. OK, you don't really find that like that's not the central idea that you're really going to be thinking about. But there's major breakups, lots of problems. Uh, there was drug use that that led to, to rehab. And it caused problems. Uh, there were anger outbursts that caused lost opportunities. There was an opportunity, but because of the anger and the choice that someone reacted in the moment, the opportunity was no longer there. And then there were, there were fights and continual fights and continual fights. You even see the, the fighting. It's a playful way, but you see this idea of fighting. Well, in real life, though, fighting, affairs, anger, all this stuff and the things that it kind of creates in relationships, these cause problems. And I don't have to convince you of that. We can see that. You know, we can experience that in our own life. We can see it with those that we love. This kind of stuff causes cracks in the foundation of life. And before you know it, there's just these major holes in someone's purpose, major holes in, in their life. And so this idea of YOLO, it appeals to something that we want more in life. We want to live for something bigger. We want to experience things. And that's not bad. But when you only look through the lens of pleasure or pleasing myself or experiencing fun or being cool, it leads to continuous trouble. So I want to kind of spend some time not just talking about the pitfalls, because, again, there's part of this. You only live once, which is true. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. But there's a, a scripture in Ecclesiastes seven seventeen that speaks to kind of the shortness of life and how it can be gone says this, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? This is the idea that if you choose to live foolishly without really any idea of decisions impacting your future, you actually have a shorter life. So the fact that you only live once becomes even shorter when you make choices that are going to really cause damage. 
this is kind of one of those messages that we kind of gloss over. Because in the midst of YOLO, it's kind of, yes, let's do it. Let's have fun. Let's experience pleasure. But you may lose years off of your life. We don't really think about that. But that, that is as true. As we were made for something more, but in the same time, depending on what we choose, our life can be cut shorter. So here, here's kind of what the, the scriptures say in a response to this idea of yodeling. Before I, I, I look to that, though, I want to kind of speak at what does YOLO look like for you and I? You ever thought about that? I'm sure you don't wake up in the morning you're like, YOLO! And your kids are looking at you like, I just want cereal. What is going on? And, you know, you don't get to work. Put your time card in. YOLO, everybody. YOLO. They're like, can you check your email, please? Right? But there's something in us that that we can tend to just experience that pull of just forget it. I just want to do what I want. You ever have that? You just get to the point where you just want to do what you want in a moment. You're not thinking about your responsibilities. You're not thinking about the things that you've been given that you need to take care of. You're not maybe thinking about anyone else, but you want to do something that you want to do in a moment. I know I do. I experience that. Well, to me, that's actually part of YOLO. I just want fun right now. And that could look like spending impulsively. You ever just see something and you know you really don't have the money for it. But there's just something in you like, yeah, but I. I have to have that. Really? And before you know it, you buy it and then you kind of think, oh, I shouldn't have gotten that. And then you think you could take it back and then you have your receipt and you just want to screw it up. And I've lost my receipt. I can't take it back. It's kind of this idea of we want what we want. We, we spend impulsively. Uh, we can also just want to change in scenery. This happens when you're at work and you're doing something and you're just in the midst of all the tasks that you have in life. It's reports or it's meetings and it's another meeting and it's another report. And then tomorrow you look at your calendar and it's like more reports and more meetings. And you're just thinking, you know, I'm tired of this. I want to change in the scenery. I want something different. I want something fresh. Now that could be true. There may be some times in your life where you need to actually change your job because of a variety of reasons. But in the moment when you just think, I can't stand it anymore. I hate this. And you just make decisions. That's kind of yoloing. You only live once. I just, I need to have a better job. And you can quit right there on the spot. Well, that can lead to, to a lot of problems, especially when work is a chore. But all this, it creeps into our system. And so again, YOLO can seem like this huge thing, but it happens with what we want to spend our money on. It happens in the decisions that we make in life. It happens in the little things. Anytime we think in the moment, I just want to do what I want to do. Because I want this feeling. That's YOLO. It's all a part of this, this idea. So what, are, what do the scriptures have to say about this? If it's true that we only have one life, then, then what do we do? Well, when you dig into kind of the themes of the scriptures, there's a very different view of life. And that's where it starts. It's this idea of life. You have to go to the core. Life, you have it and I have it. We're here. We have life. When the scriptures, when you dig into this idea of life, you find that it's actually a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. And this can protect us from the pulls of YOLO. It's a gift from him and he holds us accountable for it. 
Now, that idea of, of life being a gift really changes the way you see things. Because the idea of YOLO is, it's my life, and I want to do whatever I want to do, right? Because it's my life. Well, that idea of, it's my life, isn't that a song? Doesn't that start like that? I keep saying, every time I want, it's my life, it's now or now. <laughs> YOLO, it's my life, right? See, even then, I heard this voice saying, it's my life, sing it. This, that's the idea. Like, it's my life. Like, that's normal to us. It's my life. And I want to do what I want. We have the right to it. Why? Because it's my life. And that's just your argument. Why'd you do that? It's my life. But why'd you do that? It's my life. You have to flip that on its head. Well, actually, God gave us life. That's the truth of the scriptures. God gave us life. So it's a gift. It's actually not a right that we have. It's something that was given to us. We didn't earn life. We didn't. It was given to us. And because of that, we're actually not the only person that has a stake in our life. God does. Because he gave it to us. He is the owner of life. That's a very big shift when you look at what you were made for. Because if you think that you're the only one that has a stake in something, then you make all the decisions you want to make. But if you begin to see that, you know what, I'm not the only one that has a stake in what I do and what I choose and what I say, what I spend my money on. Then you can begin to shift in the scriptures in Second Corinthians, it says this. So whether we are home or away, the idea is so whether we live or whether we die. Says we make it our aim. The word aim there is ambition, like we make it our life goal, make it our life purpose to please him. And he goes on, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So the idea of since life is a gift, we make it our purpose in life to please him, to please the one who gave me life. So in any decision, it's not just what I want because it's my life, it's How does this stack up against what God wants my life to be? So you have to ask that question. This is what Christians need to do. This is the shift from you go from it's my life to the idea of, you know what? My life is actually not my life. I have to give it back to the one who gave it to me. That's what it means to follow Christ. I give my life back to the one who gave it to me. And as you do that, The purpose of your life becomes so much bigger. And so the very thing that we are made for, this idea of we want to be made for something bigger than ourselves, it only happens as we actually get this idea. No matter what we do, we aim to please him. Why? Because we are going to face him one day. We're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, saying that we may think that it's our life and we can do whatever we want, but actually God is going to ask us about the life that we live. So the writer, Paul, is saying, be careful. If you please him in everything, then you can appear before him and say, hey, my life was about making you happy. In, hum- in humility, I, I hope I did that, God. That's the picture he's saying. You want to stand before God saying, my life was about trying to make you happy. I didn't always do it. But that was 
the goal of my life. And so there's a lot of protection there, but it starts with the idea of whose life is it? And you have to deal with that. The second idea that you, you find in Scripture, and this is kind of one of those that we, we say and we may believe, but it's really hard to think it's true. And that is, we will actually reap what we sow. Okay? The idea is, we are going to do things, and everything that we do is going to cause something else to happen. There's a cause and effect. And we live in a cause and effect universe. Everything we do impacts other things. When I was younger, I'm just going to open up to my YOLO days a little bit. I'm going like way back. Uh, this is like fifth grade. No, this is like third grade. Sorry. I realized I YOLO'd a lot in my life when I was bored. And if you have sons, always be very careful for when they say they're bored. Okay? Because so I've made many decisions out of boredom that I look back and say, you know what? That was really dumb. One of them involved fire. <laughs> and I used to just kind of think to myself, like, I wonder what would happen if I, like, lit that. YOLO. I only live once. And so I used to light this yard behind our house. It was like in this alleyway. I don't know whose property. Well, it was probably the city's property. It wasn't even my property. There was grass. I was like, you know, does grass burn? Let's find out. And so I used to go all the time behind my fence, close the door so no one could see me, and i just light the grass on fire. And it would get out of hand, and then I'd stamp on it real quick. And I was like, that was awesome. People who, you know, who like fire, you know, like, you're like, that was awesome. But it was kind of out of boredom. But, you know, as I look back, I'm like, that, you know, no big deal. I was able to put the fire out. But that's kind of what happens in, in life is we, we start these little fires and most of the time we're not even wondering what will happen. We just, we just want to start it. Again, it's just things that we want to do and so we just we light it. And over time you see what happens. What the scripture is saying is when you make decisions and you play with fire, it will burn. If I was to hold a lighter up to a piece of paper and I said, would this paper burn? Wouldn't we all say yes? There's probably nobody that would say, I don't think it's going to burn. Because we know reality, if you hold fire up to paper, it burns. What the scripture is saying, as true as fire burning paper, is how decisions impact life. It's the same truth. The issue is, with our decisions, is it's not always light, fire. It's sometimes light. One year, two year, three year, fire. Sometimes light, years, 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 fire. We tend to think that there's no fire because it didn't happen instantaneously. But that is a big thing that we can be deceived on. And what the scripture is saying is, do not be deceived. You even find this very words in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't pull one over on God is what it's saying. You can't trick God. You can't fool God. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So the idea of whatever one sows. So if you make foolish seeds, like if you're planting foolish seeds because of foolish decisions, foolish crops grow. There's not magic beans. Whatever you put in grows. 
The input matches the output. You can't fool God. Reality cannot change. It says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit from the spirit reap eternal life. When I was younger, I think honestly, my view of God was that he was like an air traffic controller. Okay. And I kind of thought that as long as I stay off of his radar, like there's not necessarily an emergency that he has to intervene. I'll be okay to just fly my plane the way I want. I'm just going to kind of go here and experience that. And I'm going to go here and experience that. Occasionally, if I got in trouble, it's like, God, I, I need your help. You know, he was just, he was my air traffic controller. He just kind of thought wherever I wanted to fly, it didn't matter. Fly wherever I want to. Pick the route I want to take. Go on the journey. If I want the scenic tour, I go on the scenic tour. If I want to go straight, I go straight. It was just kind of this idea of I can choose whatever path I want. That's very true. The issue is, though, is God's not an actual air traffic controller. He actually wants to be the pilot. He wants to lead us. He wants to take us on the journey that he has. He wants to show us these ways that we never saw. And so there's this idea that it's so easy to be deceived that what we do just happens in a vacuum. Like it doesn't matter. I think to myself, how many times in my life that I've done something and really what I'm telling God is, I'm going to fool you on this one. It's happened a lot. I think I can outsmart God. Okay, God, I'm going to plant these bad decisions. But please, 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 can they be good? It doesn't work. Just like a fire and paper, it just doesn't work. So there's a sense of we will reap what we sow. And if you really come to the point where you believe that's true, it actually can protect us from decisions that can cause a lot of problems. But again, sometimes it's because it doesn't happen right away. So we think, wow, that was a freebie. You ever thought that? just, that was a freebie. Yes. I don't know what happened, but that was a freebie. I love free stuff. I'm sure you do as well. We kind of tend to think this like it was a freebie, like, that must not have really happened because I got away with it. You actually might have got away with it right now, but you didn't get away with it. it. What you reap or what you sow, you will reap. That's the truth of Scripture. But here's the thing. If you leave it just right there, life kind of becomes stale. Okay, so only do good, don't do bad. If I do bad, my life will not be good. I think that's the picture most people have of what Christian is. Okay, there are people that can't YOLO because God didn't tell them to YOLO and their life's really boring. And then they want me to become like them. Mm, no, thanks. And even for us, we kind of wake up like, oh, I have to I have to do what God wants me to do again. And it can become a grind. But here's the thing. Continuing from the scriptures I just read in Galatians, there's something that you see that kind of comes full circle. The very thing we want is a full life. We want to make it count for something. But you know what? When you follow God, you get a new purpose that actually strikes to the core 
of our deepest need, and that's to be a part of something that's greater than ourselves. So things that YOLO can't do because it falls short, because our decisions come back to bite us, when you follow God and you're protected from those decisions and you make different decisions that actually please him, you find that you can become a part of something actually so much bigger. And the truth of YOLO is that in itself doesn't solve any problems. It creates more. But if you follow God, you actually can experience risk still. And in fact, God will call you to risk. And so if you're like, I don't want to live a boring life. If you follow Christ, it actually is not boring. He will call you forward to do things that you never thought you could do. For those of you that follow Christ, you know that's true. Because he's given you his power and his courage. And you're actually not afraid. That's at the essence of YOLO. It's people like, I'm not afraid. I want to just live my life the way I want to live it. But you can't without God's help. And you can't if you just try to live for your own purpose. And so what you find in Galatians 6 gives us the sense of you can risk for the right things. This is what it says. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone. And especially to those who are the household of faith. So there's this sense, what's being said is, God can't be mocked. Don't be deceived. What you sow, you will reap. But instead of thinking that's going to live, lead to a stale and boring life, the writer goes on and saying this. There's this idea of don't give up. Don't think that just because you can't pursue the bad things means that your life isn't going to count or it's not going to be as pleasurable or as fun as you thought. In fact, if you pursue the good things, the things that God wants from you, you will have the greatest life you could have ever thought possible. So it's so counterintuitive because there's a part of us all where we're kind of appealing to do the things that we know we shouldn't do. That's what sin is. We want to play with the fire. But what the writer is saying is when you get to the point where you realize that it's in the good things and the pursuit of the good things and the things that God wants for us, you can actually risk to do that and it will give you so much more life than you thought. And so to, to those of us that follow Christ, there's a thing in which we, we actually have a life and a purpose that people want. Because they know they only have one life. And so our message is, since we only have one life, let's live it the right way. Let's make the most of it. And so the idea of let's do good. That's pretty general. And so if you're just to kind of read that one verse and try to define your life on that, you don't really know necessarily what that means. Is that kind of like the golden rule? What, what is that? And that's why you actually have to get to know God because he defines what is good. That's why you have to read your Bible because he defines what pleases him. So when you read the scriptures, you should always be asking yourself, what is this telling me that I should do? Not just what I shouldn't. Because it's in the things that we do that our life has purpose. Because Christianity is not just an avoidance of things. It's actually pursuing things in a real and tangible way. 
And so I was thinking in my own life as a Christ follower, what are things that God may want me to do to risk for him? I don't know if you thought about that before. And you know what? Before this, I didn't really think about it much. But what would God want me to do that would be risky? And when you dig into the scriptures and you find the people that followed him, they did some risky things. In many sense, they did crazy things. They did things despite what people were going to do to them. And so they had examples. When you read the people of the faith in the scriptures, people that have gone before us, they actually showed us how to YOLO, how to live life to its fullest in a way that pleases God. And so I was just thinking some few things, and these are things for me. There may be other risks that you need to take in your own life, but here's some things that I've seen in the scriptures that really could, considered, could, be, could be considered risky. The first thing is identify with Christ. And share our faith with others. We live in a world where no one wants to state what the truth is. That's just the bottom line. And in fact, we have phrases like, as long as they're happy. As long as they believe whatever they believe. But it is risky to actually state what God says about an issue. Just like anything, risk can also lead to doing things that are not smart or not wise. So identifying with Christ doesn't necessarily mean you walk in a building and say, you're all wrong. I'm yoloing for Jesus. Risky, but dumb. Okay. Risky, but not, not wise. But there is a sense in which actually saying that I follow Jesus and I can't go And do what you want to do because I follow Jesus. That's risky. Why is it risky? Because people are actually maybe going to think some things about you that they wish they didn't. Or if someone asks you to agree with a view that they have and you know that that's not true. Risk is, actually, I don't believe that. Because I try to follow the God of the Bible and what he said and here's what he says about this. That's risky. Other things I thought, giving to people, sacrificing your resources and your money when you're not sure how you're going to be taken care of. That's risky. It is. Saying to God that, God, I know you're going to take care of me, so I'm going to sacrifice for someone else. That's risky. Why? Because you don't know how God's going to come through. It's unknown. That's very risky. Um... Saying no to a really good opportunity because maybe it's going to pull you away from the things that God's called you to do. Maybe you're in church life and there's a really good opportunity over here and it's a job opportunity. It's more money and it's kind of exactly what you want to do, but you know that this is where your community is. And so risky can sometimes be saying no to an opportunity that seems like it would be the perfect thing for your life because of other priorities that you have. That's risky. Because again, you don't know how God's going to take care of you. So when you think about it, all these things, when you become a Christ follower, because all these things he asks us to do. He wants us to share Christ with others. He wants us to stand for what's true. He wants us to be lights in the darkness. 
He wants us to say no to things that pull us away from other things. All of this gives us a greater purpose in our life. So the very thing that kind of is at our core that we think we're going to miss out on, we get. And that is the goodness and grace of God. Because remember, if life is a gift from him, then he knows everything about us. He knows our needs. He knows our wants. He knows our desires. And he's designed life to really speak to the core of what we were made for. Why? Because he made us. So he knows. And I just want to kind of end with just one more idea. Okay? So, instead of life being narrow and it's all about me, life's a gift. Instead of just doing pleasurable and the fun thing, we realize, like, we reap what we sow. Cause and effect. Instead of thinking that we're going to miss out on risk, and therefore still doing risky things that won't make God happy, we decide to risk for the right things that will make God happy. All this is how we shift over time as we get to know God better. But there's one last thing that I think the movie actually does well. And it's even in the title, Entourage. There's something about that that appeals. Like we all want a posse. We all want a group to be a part of. None of us, even though we want to live our life to the fullest, it's better with friends. Again, that's how we're made. God made us so we wouldn't want to just be these isolated individuals. But even that, the idea of our entourage, the idea of my group, my tribe, my friends, you actually find as well as you decide to follow Jesus. Because you enter in to the entourage of the church, the entourage of the community that has history, thousands of years. So you're a part of this community which is the greatest community that's ever existed. Why? Because it's a bunch of people who've decided they actually want to live life for God and so they really don't want to be selfish and they don't want to just look out for themselves and they don't want to just do the fun thing. They want to do the right thing. It's the greatest community that's ever existed. So even that, you see the grace and goodness of God. He allows us to experience a community and a group of people that calls us forward as well. And so I, I just want to encourage you, you. You know the pulls that are in your heart. And I know the pulls that are in my heart. The things that I kind of want to do in the moment to make myself feel better about my situation or just to feel good in the moment. What is God speaking to you about today? Is there something that you see, like this is an area where you just, you just want to do what you want to do? It might be in a relationship. It might be just... In spending, it might be at work, it might be in some decisions where you just you don't really want to bring God into the equation because it might mean that you don't get to do what you want to do. What is that for you? I want to encourage you to risk today to invite him in to whatever situation you're facing and ask him what he would want you to do. Take a risk and do that. What would God want you to do in that situation? And if you're not sure, talk to somebody here at church, somebody that you know that walks with God and ask them, I'm facing this and never before in my life have I actually wondered what God would want me to do in this situation. 
It's never too late to begin to think about God's perspective on things. And so we want to help you do that. So I just encourage you, kind of begin there uh, in your own life. That's kind of the first next step. It's not written, that's just big picture. Uh, There's also some next steps on your connection card that Jeremy asked you to fill out. And in closing, I just want to walk you through those. So if you could pull out your connection card, and you can finish filling that out if you haven't yet. Uh, In a moment, we're going to receive our offering. You can drop that in there. But on the back side, here's, here's some next steps. Find an entourage to encourage me in the right things. Uh, or you just may want to thank God for the one that you have. If you look around, you say, you know, I have a group of people that really love me and care for me. Thank God for that. If you feel kind of isolated, ask God to provide that and get to know people here at church. We want to be an inclusive group. Okay. Uh, the second thing, uh, thank God for the gift of life. I, I don't know how often you do this. But if you wake up in the morning... God actually chose to give you life again. Usually in the morning, it's like, oh, my alarm. I'm not thinking gift of life. I'm thinking gift of sleep, right? There's a part of it where we have breath. That breath was given to us from God. This next week, just wake up one morning and say, God, thank you for the gift of life. I'm still here. Thank you for the gift of life. And then last but not least, ask God to show you any risks that you need to take to please him. I mentioned some, but there may be some that you're facing in your own life. But ask God to show you any of those risks that you need to take. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the life that you've given us. And I do ask for your help that we can make the most of it. And just show us uh, the risks that we need to take in order to please you, and and any risks that we need to stop that are causing problems for us. And so soften our hearts to just be open for you showing us any of that, and just give us the courage to take steps uh, from doing things our own way to, to really adopting the things that you have for us. So we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.